Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're continuing in our study of the epistles of the Apostle John. Last week we looked at the beginning part of chapter 4 where John told his readers that they needed to not believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether or not they were from God. And we spent some time, of course, looking at that and looking at the need to indeed follow the truth and to test the spirits and to make sure that those who are preaching and teaching are held to account and that those who come in, in the name of the Lord to make sure that they are indeed uh, coming in his name and preaching and teaching the truth. So tonight we're going to um, finish up chapter 4 with verses 7 through 21. And um, as we read through this, it is, it's good to break this down because the, the language that John uses and um, how he repeat some things over and again. Uh, it's beautiful language in, in how he expresses what God is and how God is love and how he goes about defining that. Um, but it can be somewhat confusing. So we're really going to look at it verse by verse and, and try to get the best out of it that we can, um, given our short time here. But I think that you'll see that um, there is a, a singularity of the message that comes through and that is what I've titled this lesson, and that is that we need to love one another. And so as he goes through and explains about God and the love that God has, bear in mind that the overall message from this passage is that we, we need to love one another. Um, and he's going to explain why that is as we go through. So let's jump in and begin with verses 7 through 11. And let's read these, and then we'll come back and, and uh, make some notes. Beginning in verse 7 of 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this first section here, that love is indeed from God. And so in verse 7, he um, the word love that he's using here throughout is agape, and that is the, the love that is the active goodwill, that is the, the wanting the best for someone, the love in action sometimes we talk about or define it that way. And so he says that true love is from God. See there, let's read again verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So true love is indeed from God. And it says that if we love God, that we are born of God. And in the verb tenses here that, that is used, born of God is, is the perfect tense of the verb. And that means that it's an action that was started in the past and it continues into the present. 
So sometimes we think about the, the born, and of course we know that that's a, a point in time when someone uh, begins life. But the way John uses it here, it's, it's, it is that indeed, born, but it continues into the present. And that uh, illustrates and shows that there is a sonship in God. There is a, a father and child relationship that continues for a child of God. And that's expressed in the love that we ought to have for him. And we know God as a child knows a father, or at least we ought to. At least we ought to take advantage of that relationship that we can have with God the Father, God our Creator, God the Almighty. And he wants us to be in that intimate relationship where we can call him Father. And that is so very special, and we ought to do everything we can to take advantage of that opportunity. In verse 8, it says... The one who does not love God um, does not know God, for God is love. So if we don't love our brother, sorry, I got ahead of myself. If we don't love our brother, we cannot know God. Why? Because God is love. By definition, that is what God is. So he says there, the one who does not love does not know God. So if we don't love our brethren, we don't know God. Because we don't know what the definition of love is. Why? Because God is love. And so if we don't express that love, and he's going to further develop this as we go along, towards our brethren, then we don't know God. Verses 9 and 10. It says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like John 3.16, doesn't it? In John's Gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Helps us, just a side note here, to understand the authorship of these letters when we compare it to the, his writings and his gospel. But here in verses 9 and 10, he says, His love for us prompted him to send his son. He loved us so much that he gave his son. And here again is that active goodwill, that agape love, seeking the best for someone else. And it says that, his, that, his, that Jesus is his only begotten Son. We've been looking recently at um, our studies in the Old Testament about the patriarchs and, the, and the, the sonship that is there with the eldest son and the special favor that they have in the eyes of their father and, and how all those events played out um, to give us the 12 tribes of Israel and to establish the Jews as a nation and all that. And we see how important um, a father and child relationship is, a father and son. And so, doesn't that help us to think about God? He didn't spare his own son, his only son, his only begotten son. That's what he gave for us, that we might live through him. So the life that we can live is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And again, there's a special relationship that we can take advantage of and that we ought to take advantage of. He says that he loved us, not that we loved him. In other words, he loved us first. He loved us first in setting in motion this plan that would put to death his only begotten son. That's how much he loves us. And so when we talk about... Um, Love being from God, 
that he sent his son to be a propitiation of sin. That is an appeasement of wrath. This is what it took to turn back the wrath of God. This was the only way it could be accomplished was through his own son. And so, again, he loved us first in giving his son. And his son is not only a propitiation, not only that appeasement of God's holy wrath, but there's also forgiveness of sins. And there's also life in his name. So all these things are encapsulated in his son. And it demonstrates the love that God has for us. In verse 11... It says, Beloved, if, we, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's a simple statement, isn't it? And it sums up what he's just talked about. If God loved us that much to send his only begotten son to be put to a, a terrible death, shameful, horrible, painful death, that's how much God loved us. And so John makes the point, if that's how much God loved us, we ought to love one another. Because that's what God has asked of us. He's asked us to love one another. And in so doing, that's how we display our love for him. So this is how he's going to go on to define this and lay this out. God was, uh, so loved us that he was willing to sacrifice his own son. So when we set about loving one another, think of the example that God has given to us how he has loved us. The next section from verses 12 through 18, John speaks of how we are perfected in love. So let's read these verses. And again, we'll come back and, and go through them a little closer. Verse 12, No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So let's go back and look here. Verse 12, he says there that no one has seen God. No one has beheld God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us. Now, isn't that an interesting way to, to express this? No one has seen God. We haven't seen God. We haven't even seen our Lord. There are many in, in the world that did see our Lord and were witness to the things that he did in this earth. But John says no one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, he says that God abides in us. And therefore, through that, we can see God by loving each other. In other words, what God wants to do, what is perfected in us, and he keeps using that word over and over again in this passage, is love. 
if we want to see God, what we see is the love that we have for one another. Because that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to be unified. He wants us to love one another. And if we are practicing that, we can see God. Not in the flesh, of course. Not with our eyes, so to speak. But we can see what God wants us to see in that we are perfected in love. And his love is perfected in us if indeed we are doing that. If we are loving one another, then that's what um, God has ultimately wants for us, to be able to love one another. And this idea, uh, again, about no one has seen God in John's gospel in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, no one has seen God at any time. And here he makes the point, the only, begotten, uh, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So there in his gospel, he writes the, the very same thing, that no one has seen God at any time. But what does he say? He says, Jesus Christ has explained him. And so this is the way John begins his gospel. And the events that he will lay out, and the things that he will say that, that Jesus did on this earth, he says, if you've witnessed that, then, you have, then God has been explained. If you have see and understand and know, and for us, we can look back and, and read and have the faith in these things, then Jesus Christ explains God. So we can know God the Father through God the Son. In verse 13, there is this idea of a mutual abiding. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. This mutual abiding, uh, how do we know that? How do we know that, that he abides in us and, and we in him? Well, he tells us right here. He says, because he has given us his spirit. And we made this point a few lessons ago about the Holy Spirit, about the spirit of God. And he has given to us the spirit of God. We're reminded of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when Peter stands up there on the day of Pentecost and and gives that sermon and convicts the Jews of putting to death the Son of God. And they ask, what shall we do? And he says there in verse 38, Repent each one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us right there, this is how we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized for the remission of our sins in the name of the Lord, and we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about, in Romans, about the Spirit dwelling within us. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And that's what God has given to us. So when we talk about abiding with Him, John says this is how that is accomplished. That we are given His Spirit, and He abides with us. Verses 14 through 16 John says there in verse 14, And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. What has John witnessed? What is it that John has witnessed? Well, he witnessed that Jesus was sent by God to save the world. Some, uh, a great benefit of John's writing, is the, uh, as is the other apostles that, that wrote in the New Testament, is that he was an eyewitness. Not just a witness, not just led by the Holy Spirit, but he was an eyewitness. That he has seen these things, and he's able to speak on those terms, just like Peter is able to speak on those terms. And he says that Jesus was sent by God to save the world, and that's what he was witness of. And when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, 
we have that mutual abiding. We know that Jesus is the Son of God through the writings of John, through the writings of Matthew and Mark and Luke, through the apostles and their witness and the, the things that are, are written in the book of Acts and the letters of Paul and Peter. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. But John was an eyewitness, and so he makes that point here. And he says that we know that God is love. Not just think, not just assume, not just pretty strong feeling about it. But he says we know that God is love. In verse 17, it says, By this love is perfected within us. Love is perfected in us. And he keeps using that term over and over again, this perfection. Bringing to completeness. Expressing God's ultimate plan for us. Being perfected in us. And that is love. This is indeed the expression of God's love. And how is it that God's love is perfected? It is that we love one another. The love that we have for God, and he's going to make the point here later on, is loving each other, our brothers who we do see, helps us to understand the love of God that we should have and the God that we don't see. He's going to make that point a little bit later on. And that gives us confidence in the judgment. You know, um, that's something to think about, isn't it? it? That we have loved one another on this earth just as he does. The expression that the love that we have for each other, Jesus has given us the example. And God still loves us in that same way. And so um, th this gives us the confidence in judgment. If we're loving one another as we should, then we'll be able to stand in judgment in front of our God and give with a, a good conscience a report of how we've loved the brethren. That ought to spur us on to make sure that we are indeed loving the brethren as we should. Verse 18, he says that there's no fear in love. And why is that? Well, it's because fear, he says, involves punishment. And he's just made mention there in verse 17 that we have, the, we have confidence in the day of judgment. Why? Because we're loving one another. And if we're not, then, then there's fear. And there's fear that's involved in the punishment. So if we love one another, we have no reason to fear. Now we understand, of course, that we have to, there's, there's other things that go along with that, but the expression of our love for the brethren covers a multitude of our service to God. How we treat one another, how we are concerned about one another's souls, all that is expressed in the love that we have for one another. So if we love one another, we have no reason to fear, as John is pointing out in this context. Why? Because we won't be punished. He says there's no fear in love, because there's no punishment. Now there's um, two reasons to obey God, and those, those break down to a fear of hell and a hope of heaven. And those are sufficient uh, for us to make sure that we obey God. And as we progress in our, in our spiritual lives, we hope that the hope of heaven starts to overshadow the fear of hell. That fear of hell needs to always be there. But it's our hope of heaven that ought to really drive us forward. And as we mature as Christians, as, ch as children of God, that's what we ought to be more and more 
um, geared towards is the hope of heaven. But always understand that there is the fear of hell. The last section here is uh, understanding that, again, that God loved us first. Let's read verses 19 through 21. It says, We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment which we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. God loved us first in verse 19. It says, so why is it that we should love one another? And it is because he loved us first. So he goes back to the point he made earlier. God loved us first. And how did he demonstrate that love? Through the giving of his only begotten son. To be a propitiation for sin. And in him we have life. That's how God loved us first. And so given that, it goes back to what is said, um, we ought to love one another. Verse 11, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. God has demonstrated uh, that through the sending of his son. He has demonstrated his love through the sending of his son. So our love is not without example. God uh, also demonstrates his love and it's not without sacrifice. What did it take to demonstrate the love that God had for us? It took the sending and the sacrifice of his son. So Jesus not only serves for, as an example of how we ought to love one another in his ministry and, and his, his time on earth, but he then went to be a sacrifice, demonstrating God's love for us. Verses 20 through 21 now. It's impossible to hate your brother and love God at the same time. He makes that point very clear. And why is that? Well, it goes back to what is expressed throughout this, that God is love. So if we hate our brother, we can't expect to love God. It says, uh, it says it this way. If, John says it this way. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, what? He is a liar. So John puts it on the line. It's impossible to hate your brother and love God at the same time because God is love. You cannot hate your brother whom you see and love God who you don't see. So the time that we have here on earth is the time that we can love our brethren, express the love that we have for them, and in so doing, we express the love that we have for God. And he says there in verse 21, this commandment, if you love God, you must love your brother also. So we don't get off the hook, do we? We may have those, those, brother, those brethren that, uh, that try us, that, that uh, get under our skin, so to speak, personality-wise or whatever. What does John say? We've got to love one another. We've got to make it work. We've got to love our brethren. We've got to work through the, diff the differences that we might have on a personal level. But what will overshadow all that is our love for God. We, if we love him, we've got to love our brother. So let that be our guiding force as we think about these things. God loved us first, but we ought to love one another.
we'll continue in our study. Um, it'll be a couple of weeks. Next week is the, uh, the fish festival. We won't have services. And then the next week is our gospel meeting. So I guess uh, three weeks from tonight will be the earliest time that we can pick back up and we'll delve into chapter 5 and hopefully finish up our studies into the epistles of John. We offer an invitation at the end of our time here. If you need the prayers of the congregation, if you need um, strengthening, if you need um, just uh, prayers on your behalf, maybe you're not suffering but just want to have prayers on your behalf, you can, you can ask for those prayers. I encourage you to do so. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.